Hi, I'm Jo Clark, and thanks so much for joining me today. This is the Redefining Midlife podcast, a podcast designed for the 40 plus woman who is determined to challenge society's myths and beliefs around midlife. It's for the woman who is inspired and ready to define midlife her way. Join me each week as I chat to health and wellness experts for up-to-date information on how to live well, as well as some special conversations with incredible everyday women redefining what midlife can look like. Here's to making our next half of life even better than the first. Welcome to the last of 2023's most popular episodes while I take just a short break from podcast recording. Now next week, I'm going to be back with some brand new episodes to start 2024 off. I love bringing you examples of amazing regular everyday women who do extraordinary things or who make life better for others or who shine no matter what life throws at them. My guest from episode 48 was Joe Harvey, and Joe certainly ticks all of those boxes. And it's exactly why our conversation was so loved by listeners. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with the two Joes. I can't wait for you to meet my special guest on today's episode. Joe Harvey is a kind of woman I could sit and talk to for hours on end. Her take on life during these middle years is refreshingly honest, and because of this, she's created a very special and loyal following of women on her Instagram account. Now, Jo's professional background is in publishing, and she has extensive experience in sales, marketing, and management. And together with her husband, James, they've created an online space called 50 So What. It's a platform that shares information and topics that are relevant to women in the middle of life. Now, one thing I adore about Jo is that she's so candid and honest. And during our chat, she generously shared so many of her own ups and downs that have happened throughout her life. Now, these events have taught her so many valuable life lessons and have shaped her into the powerhouse of a woman that she is today. And for me, these are the conversations that truly matter. The ones that hit big topics, that go deep and leave you feeling uplifted and better than you were before. I would love to bring a very warm welcome to the Redefining Midlife to the lovely Joe Harvey. Welcome for joining us today, Joe. It's so lovely to see you here. Finally, we got it sorted. Oh, finally, we got it sorted. Yes, yes, it's been a a long process in coming. And I did say seeing. I can see you, but our listeners will be hearing us. But, um, Joe, for those who don't know you, for me, it feels like, I'm talking to an old friend because I've followed you for quite some time and you're you're very prolific with your story. So I see you on your day, yes. you know, how you go about every day on, you know, and it's so different every day for you as well, which is lovely. But for those who don't know you, have a little bit of an explanation now as we start to talk what you do and why you love what you do. Okay, so I, 50 So What is, is who I am. And I started 50 So What, I think because I've always been in the media and it's very much youth obsessed. And when I started getting messages, because obviously my age, I'm like, I started getting messages sent to me and it was all about incontinence pads, which is fine. I talk about incontinence pads. It's not a problem. We all have the wheelings, right? So it's, it's not an issue. But it was more, it was people in the 80s and 90s in a walker, nothing wrong with that. But I couldn't relate to that. And I was being dumped into this area where I didn't belong. And I sort of thought, where do I belong? I had no idea. It's about that we were the generation that we left behind. And our decade is, they're dumping us here, but we're not here. And everyone in my midlife were active. They, they were out doing things. They, we, we felt young. We didn't look like the way we've been portrayed. And I think for me, it was like, you know what? I need to do something about this. And I thought, I'm just going to put myself out there. And that's when we started 50 So What. We were lying on a beach in Rarotonga about, oh, my goodness, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. It's like, we need to do something. And it just started from there. And it was just, and my sister was with me, and she's um, older than me. And she's late 50s. And we both did the same thing. The messaging that we were getting was just not us. And it was frustrating. And it's like, you know what? And things were starting to happen. And, you know, <laughs> I was getting bloated and um, I was gassing and I had a few wee leaks and all these things were happening. It was like, oh God, this is really shocking and it's really embarrassing. But if I talk about it, it's out there and I'm not going to feel embarrassed and maybe someone else is going through this too. And it just it just started from there. And I think um, for me, it was important to create a community so I didn't feel isolated 
And so mentally I felt better and so I could create a community of like-minded women that we can laugh, we can share, we can talk, we can cry, we can be there for each other. And that for me was the best thing I could ever have done. And I think it really took away social isolation, especially at a time when I needed it most. And I'm forever grateful for it. And I think it showed me that midlife women really do need, we all need community. And I think sometimes we get a little bit lost, especially in midlife. And I think we need it more now than ever before. So that's sort of 50 so what came from that. And it came from a time when things weren't so great for me. And it's just evolved. And I think it's it's brilliant. The community that we have is amazing. And I think we all need it. We really, really do. Yeah. No, I, I love that idea of, of the community because as you're, you're so right. We do need it. And you feel... When you go through things, you feel like you're you're very alone, and a, a women don't like to talk unless they're invited. Like it, the that's right, that's right. right. And, and you do notice that the moment you have an opening, people are happy to take that step. But to do it yes. for themselves first is can be quite daunting. So it's a lovely community that you have set up on your, particularly on your Instagram page, and we'll certainly delve into that a little bit more throughout this conversation that we have, Joe. So yes. you mentioned. Um, where you were lying on a beach and and those who are listening will notice and I do have some, quite a few uh, Kiwi listeners as well <laughs> aren't Australian born obviously well or no you I'm a Kiwi but you do have a Kiwi accent <laughs> I'd love to hear about your time of growing up in New Zealand and what your life was like as as an early um, you know when in your oh. young when you were a 20 30 year old I think I was really lucky I think I think our generation was very lucky growing up. We didn't have the pressures that we have now, and it was a very much a free childhood. And I remember, you know, we lived um, in a street, a dead-end street, and we were, all, we were all playing the street. We all knew each other. The parents looked after each other's kids, and it was really an idyllic childhood. It wasn't a luxurious childhood. We didn't have money. My father was in the Air Force. We were in social housing. and But it was a childhood full of love and it was a childhood that was free and we would go fishing we'd go camping and I was really really lucky and I grew up in West Auckland and I'm so glad that I did I think that it taught me so much and um, you know from there I did surf lifesaving in New Zealand I was very big in surf lifesaving and community which I just loved and yeah I think growing up in New Zealand and I guess people growing up in Australia wouldn't have much the same childhood it just felt free and I think that's the best thing and you know mm. growing up cousins and it was just it was really it was really nice New Zealand um was felt quite remote growing up it's you know it's far away from anywhere else like Australia is and I think that you learn more about the world growing up in a small place because you're hungry for information and I think growing up that's a good thing as well Mm. But since community, family, outdoors, I was always outdoors as I am now. Yes. <laughs> I'm for that though. <laughs> um, but very much an outdoorsy childhood and lots of family. And I just, I was, I think that I was very, very lucky. Yeah. Oh, well, that's one. That, sound, that sounds idyllic, actually. A lot of people would love to, to have that same sort of upbringing as well. And you find um, that you, what you did in your younger years, it's, it's, if you can connect that joy in your, you know, as you get off, it makes a difference, doesn't it? So you're, and, and you can see with what the, the sorts of things that you, you post about, you do love the outdoors. You do love being close to water and by the beach. So those sort of things add that joy in your life. Yeah. Well. And I need to, I need to be, and I always talk about grounding and people think I'm a freak. Mm. Like I'll whip off my shoes anywhere and just put my tootsies in the sand or on the grass and it just grounds me. And it's funny that you said that we were doing a psychology class and this woman said, what, think back to the very first memory, what makes you happy? And it was something so simple. It was like, wow. And the minute I thought about it, I felt really good. I, I don't know what it is, but I felt good. And you're right, connecting with that childhood and what makes you feel good in there is just yeah. amazing. Doing the things that you love growing up. And I think we forget that. I think we get so wound up in our day-to-day -day life and we just forget to have fun. And I'll never, I'll probably say this, I'll never forget there's a girlfriend of my, Shelly. She's absolutely nuts. And we went on holiday and we went to this incredible place and she was running around with little snooty people and she was running around going, oh my God, this is amazing. And the childlike behaviour, I just 
fell in love with it. And everyone there just thought it was amazing because she was like that childhood. So this is incredible out. And I think it's so important to remember that. Really important, yeah. It's often the small things, isn't it? Like I think oh. we overcomplicate things. It's got to be these big grandiose, this will make me happy. and this. But it's often those small pockets. Of, and it doesn't. Of, yeah, that, that, yeah. Oh, my God, that's what lights me up. Mm. yeah and those those things that you can go oh I really want this bad or I really, really want this that lasts for five seconds flat trust me and it's and it's and it's lovely to have that but those aren't really the things that, that matter and yeah sometimes but we do forget it's easy to forget that when we're stressed and we're running around it's like oh my god I don't know if Martha or Martha and but you know sometimes we need to remind ourselves Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree, Joe. Now, from what I understand, the, we, we, we picture, picture Joe with her younger years and we know where you are now. So let's go through and we'll see if I can connect a few dots. So your professional life then has been predominantly in the publishing industry and um, in the area of sales, marketing and management. So was that an area you always right. wanted to work in or did that evolve over time? I think it, I think it evolved. I always, funnily enough, wanted to study law. I started and I lasted about a year. I hated it. And I would fall asleep in lectures. And I remember my cousins and family have been so proud of me because there's a few lawyers in the family. And I just, oh, God, this is not, I hated it. I, it wasn't me. And I thought, okay, I've got to do something. And mum, they're like, you need to sort yourself out. <laughs> and so at the time, I was working at a law firm and studying. And the CEO of the law firm, Brent Impey, who uh, he's been in media for ages, he was actually chairman of the All Blacks. He said to me, you know what? I am the chairman of independent broadcasting, which is a radio station in Auckland. And he said, you know what, come over to there. We'll put you redirect, study business, and I want you to learn every little bit of, of, of the company. So I went into accounting, failed miserably at that. <laughs> and because he wanted me to see every area. And then I went into sales and marketing and promotions, and I loved it. And I just thought, this is, and it was more creative, and I thought, this is where I need to be. And so it started from there and then we'd sort of purchased a bubble company. So I went to work for there and then I went into publishing and I went and I started a new idea and I absolutely loved it. I loved the freedom, the sense of you could be who you really wanted to be. So yeah, that, I found my niche then and I was doing sales and marketing and then I went to be director and then moved on to other publishing companies and started my own. But I think I just loved publishing. I loved sales and marketing I like the challenges but I really love people's stories and I love the fact that you could be creative and I don't know just really it just it was just me and I think that's where I've been pretty much ever since now I'm um, looking after running a community center which I sort of pivoted into that when I moved to Australia but yeah so I've been in publishing media most of my work and I just love it it's changed it's, it's completely different now and it's evolved very very different from when I first started but I love it it's in my blood I just love it it's I've been writing since I was younger I got some poetry published when I was in school I've always loved writing I, I just love when, some, when something really bad has happened in my life I've sat down and I've written about it and it's helped me heal immensely and that's been right from a very very young age and um, growing up, I've, I, my mother's Maori and I, my father's and my sister's in the marriage. And I got booted out because I wasn't, didn't look right. And I think I sat down and I wrote about that and that got published. And I think pouring your emotions out onto paper. Is, I love it and I love telling people stories. And so, yeah, I've, it's in my blood. <laughs> mm, well, that sounds... That's amazing. And you are, when you see and the stories that you tell on social media, that makes a lot of sense because you are a natural storyteller. That that That's yeah. something that obviously was there from a very young age. Yeah, I think probably. And I just, for me, it's just a really good way of communication. I think especially when I was younger, I was quite painfully shy and I couldn't really express myself, but I could when I wrote things down. Mm. And I think that help me so much and I wouldn't say a bit of a ghost <laughs> being able to write things down definitely helped me and um, I've always done it and I think that it's really therapeutic yeah and I you know and I, I say I talk about everything now probably sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's a 
that's a bit much, but hey, let it all out. It's got to be done. Yeah, that's lovely. Joe, what point did you and your husband James meet? Because he he features quite largely in you know in all of your stories and and your as well. So I'd love to learn that that part of your your life as well. So I actually met James when we worked in your idea. So James was one of the only, I think he might have been the only male working there. <laughs> and everyone said, and I was one of the people running it at the time, and everyone said to me, don't you be mean to him. You've got to go and say hello. I said, oh, God, here we go, another staff member. So I went and I said hello. And I don't know, this sounds so weird. I don't know what it was. I walked past him and I stopped. And I went bright red. I didn't even looked at him. And in my head, I said, I'm going to marry him one day. I don't know what it was, and I did marry him. And um, so we started as as friends, and it just evolved from there. And I think that, um, yeah, I just he is my best friend. I think the world of him, and yeah, we just he makes me smile even even now. You know, <laughs> sometimes he doesn't make me smile, <laughs> but yeah, I so met him, and everyone says never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and it did and um yeah couldn't be happy I'm very very lucky oh that's lovely and how long have you been together now oh my goodness 15 15 years or yeah. more no it's nearly 20 nearly 20 well there you go see you know it's going well when you can't you when you forget how absolutely absolutely it's not going so well you remember every single day I uh, yeah <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yes. So when did you come to Australia? At, at what point? And were you were you with James at that stage? Absolutely. So I came to Australia 11, just over 11 years mm. ago, 12, 11 years ago. And James was offered a job here as um, news director for ACP Media at the time. And I didn't want to come. And I was picking a screaming. I just didn't want to be here. And I think at the time I just lost a, a pregnancy quite later on. And it was the last thing I wanted to do. And, but I came here and we're like, we're going to be here for a year. <laughs> every, every stay. And I love it. And I think, um, saying to another Kiwi a friend of mine, Deb, Australia has given me a sense of freedom and I can be exactly who I want to be. And whether that's my own and my own mental, I don't know. But I love it here. I absolutely love it. I feel at home here and it's brilliant. I've just, it's, I'm very lucky I've got two homes. Um, I still consider it, I'm a Kiwi and um, an Aussie and I feel very lucky, but Australia just feels, it feels right. Yeah, so well, it's so lovely that you've been embraced by both communities where when you go home, you feel at home and, when you're in Australia, you, you know, you feel like you're at home as well. That's right. Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel very fortunate in the community in Australia, especially where I live, just inc incredible and yeah. um. I love it. I really, really love it. It's, mm. it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great to hear. And, and James is an important part of uh, the fifty so what community as well. Yes. In, in the found as a founding member, absolutely not a member, but you know he he was a founder as well. With oh, so one hundred. How how did that come about? Was he was he a bit? Oh, I don't know about this, Joe. Or yep, we need it. I can see a gap in the marketplace. Let's. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, not at all. James was the one pushing me and he said, we've got to do this. And he has always, this is what I love about him. He has always sort of said to me, you can do anything you want to do. And I've never had that before. And without him, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I can absolutely put my hand on my heart and say that. And yeah, it was just, we need to do this. We've done a couple of things in, in New Zealand that, that we looked at doing. And thus, this just felt right. We were both feeling the same. We were both being bombarded or put into a sector of society that we certainly didn't belong to. And it was like, this is ridiculous. This is rubbish. We're midlife. We're not on our twilight years yet. And when I'm there, that's going to be great. I'll do something for my twilight years. But you know what? I'm midlife. He's midlife. And it was important to us to, to make the most of our midlife and to celebrate it because no one else was. And it just... Yeah, so James is like, let's do it. We're just going to do it. And yeah, he, he's he's brilliant and absolutely he's he's a founder of 50 So What. And um we both talked about it, but without him pushing me, I don't think it would have happened. Mm, no, and it's it's so true. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing as well. And and this podcast, redefining what this stage of life is like because I, it's so, there's so much that we've got yeah. that, you know we can do now and that's coming ahead for us. 
and the absolutely whole room of it has to be just wiped out and a new narrative has to to, to take its place so yeah absolutely. well done to you guys to to have that foresight how many years ago did you say now was it um oh, must have been we started about seven years ago yeah. I think or maybe even before seven, then it was before yeah it was before I hit 50 and it was you know all you ever heard I'll tell you why because I was nearly about to hit well, I was heading towards my 50s and people said oh my god 50 how horrible and it's like 50 so what who cares like it's how I feel like what's the matter yeah <laughs> But there's nothing wrong with the celebrators. I mean, celebrating for a year for crying out loud. I didn't even know it could be your last. Celebrate it and make the most of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, that's and that's that's so important that we have people that we can look to who are promoting that as well. So Joe, who are your role models when it comes to um, you know, promoting this this phase of life? I think definitely my mum. Um mum went and she did a nursing degree at 50. Did she, she really? Was, yeah, she did. She was incredible. And she actually graduated when my sister graduated from nursing as well. And they graduated together and they were on the front page of the New Zealand Herald. And it was just amazing. And mum had, she had, was a qualified teacher and she'd left teaching and um, was actually being a postie. And she thought, you know what, I need to do more with my life. And this is in her very late 40s. And dad sort of said, okay, we're going to sell her exactly price. And they, they did a lot to be able to afford mum to, to go. And it was the best thing my mum could have done. And I saw this total shift in her. And it was just amazing. That's my role model. And it's seeing someone that can do that at 50, especially with the challenges that mum did have financially, was just, I don't know, I, I think she's incredible. And absolutely my role model. It was like, you know what, mum can do this. I can do it. Oh, that's lovely. And it doesn't need, it doesn't, you know, when, when people think of role models, they, they think that has to be somebody famous. Absolutely There not. are so many role models around us if we take the yeah. look. And, and people who are really key to our life and they need to be celebrated. They do. They absolutely do. And you're right. Most people think, oh, is it someone famous? Or, but no, it's it's mum and, and my sister. It's just amazing. And, and your sister's yeah. quite a few years older than you as well. That she's not that much older. She's she's five years older, six years older than me. And she is actually in states. She's incredible, and um, yeah, she runs an emergency department in the states now. She's just oh gosh, yeah. Every I speak to her nearly every day, and she's a, an inspiration of mine as well. I know her husband died quite young, yeah. and she just got up, picked herself up, and said, "You know what? Bugger this." I'm going to travel by myself. I'm going to do all of these things by myself, which you've never done before. And I thought, wow, you're just amazing. You're just an incredible woman. So mum and my sister, it sounds so bloody corny, but it's a fact that they are people that I look up to and they help push me and they believe in me. And yeah, they're just bloody brilliant. Yeah. One midlife and one senior doing exactly what they want to do. And I think it's fantastic. Oh, that's lovely. It's grounding, but at the same time, it's really aspirational. To, to know that, that, yeah, people who are just like us are doing incredible. Yeah, they, they can do it. And you've hit the nail on the head. It's people just like us. And it's it's great to look at someone that's done an amazing thing. But I think if it's someone like us, it, it gives us a sense of we can do it too. It's achievable. And I think that's really important. You know, to look at people that are closer to you or, you know, people that come from adversity, if they can do it, we can all do it. So it's, yeah. yeah. And keeping it relatable. So, Joe, that's one thing that you, you, you're you also great at doing with your Instagram account is to keep things real for what, what is actually happening, the good and the bad and the ugly, you know, and there's plenty of all. And sometimes it's yeah. one after the <laughs> other, you know, you're ducking and you're weaving. So <laughs> how are you finding this stage of, of life and, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly? Oh. Look, I think everything is everything feels sometimes overwhelming. It can be really frustrating. It can be just what the hell has happened to me. And every day is different. One day I can feel amazing. The other day I just want to strangle someone. Another day <laughs> I'll just want to cry all day. It's just like, what the hell is going on? But um, I'm finding some part of it challenging. But at the same time, I guess it comes down to attitude. And 
you know, lots of things have happened. For example, my body shape was completely changing. And I was like, what's going on? And it was, I felt quite down about it. And I felt quite frustrated. And I just thought, you know what? I can't feel down and frustrated about this. I'm going to do something about it. And so I tend to get frustrated, try and do something about it. But it is every day is different. And it's just every day there's something else. You know, one day I'm peeing myself. Another day I've got gas. I'm crying or I feel really good about myself. And then some days you feel a bit sort of down. And I guess that's just, that that really probably is hormones. That's menopause and perimenopause. <laughs> but midlife, I actually, and, and saying that, the weird thing is, is midlife, I find just quite rewarding. And I think that, I have never been a confident person and coming into my midlife for whatever reason with all of these strange things happening to me mentally and physically I've never been more confident in my life and I think it's coming to terms with this is me this is Joe. this is who I am I'm never going to be someone else and it's learning to love who I am now and that's been the biggest thing and I don't know why it's happened at midlife and I take that as one of the best things to happen in midlife is I, I this is me Warts and all, this is always going to be me. There's one me. I'm not going to change it. And why would I want to be miserable spending my life trying to be someone I'm not? Mm. And I think the biggest thing for my midlife is that. And I think that's a, a great thing. And yeah. yes, there's challenges and there's some pretty shitty times, but that's life, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. And, and yes. I just, I talk about it and sometimes probably say too much and um but you know let it all out of us yeah <laughs> I, I thought every stage or every every decade I've got is my favorite decade but I can you know we've said a hand on heart a couple of times but I can truly say that the, this stage of my life is my favorite like there's a lot going on there's a lot of you know absolutely incredible positive things going on but there's also yeah. been the lowest points that I've ever experienced that have happened as well yet yeah. all of that happening it's still an incredible time because you've got the I suppose life experiences the wisdom and things to to be able yes. to handle it perhaps better or to, I to think you're right it's not going to last these, these yeah, yes and that you're so right Joe. and I think that that I think you come to this realization that you know and it's not to sound morbid or make people people feel depressed, but you come to a stage in life where you know you have limited time. And that and it comes really quickly. And every day goes so fast. And I think you go, oh my God, why am I going to bother about this? Life is short. And you and it's so funny you said that because you do realize it's quite sudden that you realize that and it hits you quite quickly. And um yeah, life's not worth stressing about. No. It's, no and Joe, you you had last last year like a a shocking time with with mm -hmm. James because you know James had a major health scare. So mm -hmm. for years, not everyone thankfully um, has to go through that as well to to get yeah. that realization. So you you've had that realization plus that, which must make you even mm -hmm. more determined then to make the Absolutely. most of, of every day. So how has that um that horrible time that that James went through changed your view on? on the you know life going forward I think it it sort of um oh look it that whole time was extremely difficult and feeling that any day you could lose your loved one is horrific and I think that the, the biggest thing to come out of there is not to let life get you down and not to let life's the silly little things that don't matter get you down and I think it's putting yourself first. And James and I both came out of that experience, especially James. He, he, everything was about work and he's very conscientious. And I feel, and he probably feels this, what I know, that he was putting himself last. And so it's put yourself first because there's only one you. And go and do the things you love and everything else can wait. And we always used to say, we're going to go and do this, but we'll wait until we've done this. We'll wait until this job's out of the way. And when I'm, if I make it to 90 or 100 or whatever, I never want to look back and go, why the hell did I wait? What was I waiting for? Like, what an idiot. I'm not going to sit there when I'm 90-something and go, Joe, bloody hell, aren't you great? You worked 24 hours. What, what 
what a what a brave human. I'll be sitting there going, what a bloody fool. And you know, life, you're so right, Joe, life is short. And James and I both learned that. And it's we need to put ourselves first and in a positive way, not selfish way. And we need to start doing the things that we love because when, as James said, when you're lying in a bed um, and you don't know what's going to happen, it's you sit there and you think, I wish I had of. And when you get to come out of that, and a lot of people don't, the people on his board, the majority of them do not come out of that. And when you do, it's a lot, it's a life changer, but but also very much a leveler where you go, okay, I, I need to take life seriously now. And it's not working to live. Or it's not, it, it is working to live, but it's not living to work. And that's a really, really big one because you don't know what's around the corner. And when it gets to the stage, it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. And it's the biggest thing for us is we've got each other and we value, we've always valued our loved ones and our family. We've been really lucky, but we need to value ourselves more and put ourselves first. And that was a big, big thing for us, and especially for James. It's, mm. You know, he changed a lot. Um from that time and we're just bloody grateful that that he's here and, and we made those changes so yeah. yes yes and that that's very special that he's been able to to get through that that time that that difficult period because like you said not everyone is going to be able to do that and come out with that change there's a yes. whole there's something that's called that I've read about Joe called the the, the myth of prerequisites that people will put off I'll do this when I'll do this when you, That's it's right. like, that, like we've, we've seemed to have this narrative in our head, which is an excuse for us not to take those steps for ourselves. That could be a bit scary for some, but Absolutely. do it now. You know, what, why, why is that waiting time there? We, we've put a limiting, something limiting us to be able to enjoy yeah. life now. Um, yeah, and, it's, and as you get older, you, I, I look at things that I could have done when I was younger and I think, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I do it? And fear was a big one. Um, but now, and after you've been through something life-changing, what's the worst that can happen? You know, what's the worst that can happen? And it's just bloody do it and put yourself first. And you deserve to put yourself first. You deserve to believe in yourself. You deserve to do the things that you really want to do. Because, you know, what if? What if? <laughs> yeah, what yeah. are you waiting for? Like, if not That's now, right. why? Are you going to yeah. actually do it? And is that advice exactly. that you would give to women just to to challenge to challenge some of that that self talk? I'll do it when, or I'll do it later. Or... Yeah, just just don't put it off. And I think that we're all scared. We're all scared of of what if I fail? Who cares if you fail? It's better to fail than not try at all. Just try and overcome that fear, and just 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 do it and don't worry about it because what you know you could make a fool of yourself who cares I laugh it off life's too short and just I would say the biggest thing is to believe in yourself and we are midlife and you don't want to get to 90 or 100 or however long you you know you live for and think why well, I, I can't do it now mm. time is running out so believe in yourself now because you bloody deserve it you know I just just have faith in yourself, believe in yourself and have fun because we have limited time and bloody hell, make the most of it. God, don't regret it. Don't regret it. Yes. Well, that, that, that whole book of The Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware is, is a fabulous book as well. And one of the, the top regret is, you know, to not living a life that's true to yourself. To what it's because you're so exactly. concerned about what everybody else thinks and, you know. Oh. Back of what everyone else thinks. Do it, do it. And when you give to yourself, you've got far more yeah. to give to others as well. Because when your cup's full, you can give. Mm. And and as women, we're so good at, at uh, not not filling our own cup. And then we've got we don't give to ourselves, which means we can't give as much to those we love anyway. Yeah, you're so right. And and you, yeah, we've we've got. I think we need to be kinder to ourselves. And I think we're quite hard on ourselves and we try and please everyone else but ourselves. And I think that it's time to now, especially with, with midlife and all the hormonal things that go with it, look after ourselves. 
Yeah. But ourselves first, it's not selfish, it's actually a bloody sensible thing to do. And we deserve it. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Because those that love you want the best for you anyway. So we should be, we, right. and we want the best for everyone else around us. We should be putting that for ourselves as well. Just a little, rem a little reminder. Absolutely. <laughs> so are you noticing, you're getting this now for, um, yeah, rant over of um, uh, seven, seven plus years. Are you noticing yeah. uh, an openness and a willingness for women to start talking about these things more? Absolutely. I think especially over the last year, I think before the first sort of five years, no one um, no one really talked about it. I had a lot of women DM me. Some of them were really depressed and they just people weren't discussing the issues. You know, just little things like they were picking themselves and they were so embarrassed and some people weren't going to work and some people actually quit their jobs. And mm. it was nothing was talked about. But over the past year, I've seen just the conversation open up and it really has been incredible and the more the merrier the more the people talking about it the merrier I think it's fantastic and I've really seen this sort of um, age group take off and I think that's great I really do I'm seeing more midlife women put themselves out there there's the, you know the Instagram as a platform as well has been incredible for midlife women and I love it I just think it's fantastic and I follow a heap of midlife women and they all inspire me. And there's more and more midlife women feeling comfortable and confident and putting themselves out there. And that to me is such a huge positive. And it's come a long way. It's taken a while. It really has. Because I think we thought if we put ourselves out there, people are going to think, what's this old woman doing? <laughs> because there were a lot of, you know, and, and still, you still do get that attitude from people. And now it's more so we're a community that stick together. We're a community that back each other and we are going to put ourselves out there and we are going to discuss these matters that may not um, be comfortable, but we're going to do it and we're going to get through it together and we're creating a community and more and more people are joining that community on different platforms. And I think that it's absolutely brilliant. I say the more the merrier. Mm. Yes, the information's there. The, there's lots of people who are who are there, willing to help you going through this stage going forward as well, which is Absolutely. wonderful. And it it makes me sad for for the women who are older than us who didn't have that support, and then excited for the women who are younger than us. Yes, to see that it's not all doom and gloom. That there is so much you have to look forward to. Yeah, and I think I there was one woman that got hold of me and she's she's in her late 30s and she said, I'm so glad I found this because now I know what to expect or what could happen. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, it's not all bad. And if there is bad, well, you can overcome that. And I think that's really good. And then I hear mum saying to me, oh, I can't believe you're talking about that, but I wish people had off when yeah. she was going through it. And and I think that's really important as well. And you know, I, I ask mum questions now. Did this happen? Did that happen? And, and she quite happily will talk about it. But when she was going through it, it you you didn't you didn't discuss it. You went through it by yourself. And a lot, a lot of older women suffered in, in silence. And it went and affected them mentally and, and physically. But um I think, you know, although I'm, I'm seeing older women start to open up more. And I think that's, like, I'm actually seeing a lot of seniors embracing digital platforms. And I think that's great as well. And it's making me excited for the next 20 years. And yes. I think that's a real positive too. Like, I look at what some of these women are doing and I think, this is incredible. Mm. This is, here's someone lifting weights. Um, he's, it's just like, wow. It's, yes, there's a couple of, of, good thing. of accounts that I follow just, just to see what, you know, like curiosity, oh, yes. what like and how can it be? And to, to see like yeah. it was women lifting weights, women going, doing all sorts of exciting and going on exciting adventures. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, or studying or studying again, yeah. studying and, and doing new things or writing books or or starting businesses, and I think this is bloody incredible. And I think that also gives us something to sort of it inspires us at our age. We're inspiring the younger generation. They're looking at us going, "Well, okay, well, it's not so bad. Midlife isn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be." And then the next generation are doing the same for us. So I think that it's really 
you know, that's a positive about um, this generation and the digital media as well. I think that's one of the positives. There's lots of negatives, but that's a really big positive. Yeah. That. And I think it's great. I think it encourages me and um, I love it. I think it's good. Oh, that's wonderful. That That's all the positive. Do you get any, like just out of interest, like, do you get any online trolling at all happening for you? Because I know a couple of, you know, people who are in, you know, on those bigger accounts. Yeah. Um, I've had it, I had it a couple of times, but I've been very lucky. And I think that my community is very authentic. And that's a very, very big thing. So my community that I've got have followed me because for whatever they just want to hear me verbal on, they want to hear the truth. So I'm very lucky they're authentic. And so I only had one woman say something to me, and it was quite shocking. And at the time, I I felt it really hit me, and I it, it really hit me, and I lost a bit of confidence. And I just thought, and I thought, no bugger this, I'm going to put out put it out there what she said. I didn't say what it was. I don't think that's fair. Um, and everyone just said, you know what? Just forget it. What someone says is a reflection on them, not on you. And 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 that's true. And I think, you know, how horrible must she be feeling? to say those things and so I kind of switched the narrative a little bit and that's how I saw it and I think that um, what comes out of someone's mouth is a direct reflection of them not you and I think always remember that if someone does troll you but thank god for the block button (laughs) (laughs) and um, block block out the noise you know you don't have to listen to it but you do get trolls, and that and that is a thing. And I know that there's a few people I follow that have had trolls, and I just say to them, block, 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 um, and remember it's not you, it's them. And I all look. I work in the community. I help run a community centre, so I know that there are people with issues, and sometimes they let it out in the wrong way. And um, you've just got to, mm-hmm. you need to you need to ignore it. Yes. Yes, and that 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 leads me on to my next question. Then, Joe, that you're very passionate about giving back. That's something that's that's key that you and James are, are very strong and believing about, and supporting your local community, particularly those who are vulnerable. So that purpose and connection piece is an important piece of the puzzle for for living well as um, as as humans. Absolutely. So what's the driving force for you behind all of that? I think behind all of it is, uh, as I said before, I suffered immense anxiety, and when I from a, a something happened in my childhood but I think when I came to Australia I was very very isolated um I just lost a pregnancy and then when I got here I lost another pregnancy so I was having very very much a tough time I didn't leave my house without being with James for a year I couldn't touch the door handle by myself I couldn't go to the elevator by myself I tried um Mm. I couldn't do it and and I remember standing on my balcony and I had a choice and I was either going to jump or I was going to go and get help. And so I went to my local community centre and I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to do something. And I went to my local community centre and I started actually seeing a, a psychologist there. And then I started volunteering. And the Kirribilli Community Centre saved me. And I think I got, so I volunteered there for, for two years. And then um, I started doing some marketing for them. And I was there, I've been there for 10 years and now I'm the general manager. And the place connected me and made me feel whole again. It sounds corny, but we have many people in there, some of them with, with mental illness, um, physical or mental and isolated seniors, we have, and, and normal members of, of the community as well. And it is really a place that brings people together that need to be together. And for that, for me, is just what community is about. And when you don't have a community or family around you, you need everyone needs somebody. Mm. And... A, a community centre, if you're lucky to have it, is, is a really good resource for you. And being able to help people that need it is the biggest and best joy of my life. And I think, you know, Molly that passed away last year, I loved Molly to bits. And she she was just a part of my life and she was a part of the community and we all embraced her and loved her. And what an amazing thing to do. And I think that the biggest thing you can do is, is, is just help yourself and, and that will enable you to help others. And helping others is just, it's, it's the bloody best feeling ever. You know, you get so 
um, worked up in your day-to-day life. You get so worked up and I want this, I want not, you know, I want this, I want that. If I have this, I'll be happier. And when you see someone that is so low and you can do something so simple to help them, there's no better feeling in life. There really isn't. And because I've been there, so I know. Mm. And um, and I'm thankful for everyone that helped and embraced me. And I just want to do that for other people. So that to me is a driving force behind every single thing that I do, including 50 so I walk. And um, yeah, that's just community's everything. Yeah. No, oh, well, thank you for sharing that story. That that's that that was a very moving <laughs> story, the reason behind it, but it, it just that giving back those as small acts of kindness, even if you don't belong to, uh, you know, a larger community centre like you're, you're in. Yeah. Just being kind because you don't know what's going on in anyone's life at any one particular yeah, point. You, you don't. You don't. And it's, yeah, you just don't. And I think even saying hello to someone, something yeah. so simple can, you know, like or say if someone looks nice and you say, oh, you look great. They, they might be embarrassed. I remember someone used to pay me compliments when I was younger. I was so embarrassed about how to take it. Um, you're making them feel good, you know. It's or just smiling, t- smiling at someone, and you mm. know, those little things make a massive difference because you don't know what someone's going through. Mm. And just being kind, being 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 kind, and treating people how you want to be treated is so simple, and it's always something my mum taught me. And so simple, but often it's not done. Isn't that strange? You know, the things that are so simple, we don't do them. But it's just, you know, just remind yourself every day to, to do something nice for someone, even if that's just calling a family member, calling your mom, your dad, or your sister, your brother, or saying hello to someone in the street. It makes you feel good, but it makes them feel good too. So yeah. that's really different. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. There's something that everyone can do. Yeah. Absolutely. You, and you don't have to be qualified. You know, no, that's it. The ripple effects you'll never know. And that's. That's yeah. the amazing thing. Just that smile might be getting somebody through so they're Absolutely. not going to be in a sobbing mess when they get home. Yeah. <laughs> Little things. <laughs> Very so, true. What excites you about getting older? Like what's one thing that you go, oh, I can't wait for this day? I just, I don't know. I, I see right, I see life through rose-tinted glasses and I always think there's something good around the corner. I don't know why. I think more so after, after suffering from severe anxiety. But I just, I have hope. And I think, um, I always think something great is going to happen. And I get excited because I've got more confidence. And I think I can do, I can do whatever I put my mind to. And I think I'm always looking at doing something new. And, and you know, plus, I want to travel more when I'm older. Um, I want to experience being older, but I want to experience being older in a positive way. So I kind of think I'm going to be, if I'm ever have to be in a scooter, I'm going to be the one with a scooter with music blaring out of it and carnival flags on it. And I'm just excited for every stage of my life now. And because why wouldn't you be? It's it's such a bloody privilege to get older. And I think if you're not excited about it, you know, it's pretty sad. You just, everything's going to change. Our bodies change. Life does change. And, um, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be positive in the way that I embrace it, and I think I'm excited to see how James and I grow together. I'm excited um, to watch my goddaughter evolve. You know, she's studying law. I want to see where she goes, and just my nieces and nephews. I want to see them growing up. I love seeing life through younger eyes. I think that's real exciting, and you know, I want to see where James and I end up. You know, like we've been up to the Sunshine Coast looking at real estate, and it's you know, I just, I want to see where we end up and I have sort of images of him and I on a beach somewhere having a cocktail. I mean, you know. Oh, that's lovely though. And you yeah. need you need to have those dreams and aspirations as well. That's what you, gets you, you through do. the lower times you might have. A- abs- yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you can be in the depths of despair, you just project yourself forward and go, it's not always going to be like this. I'm not yeah. always going to feel like this. And it's really important to sort of just think about the future in a positive way. I mean, I might not be sitting on a beach sipping cocktails, but I bloody well hope I am. If I'm, yeah. I'm going to visualise it. Yes, <laughs> yes, it'll happen. I've, I've, I know what you like. It'll happen. That's on, So that's definitely on your bucket list. Then. It's on my bucket list. And yeah. I also sort of want to write a a bit of a book at some stage. I, I've always been a writer and I also want to write a bit of a book. We'll see if that happens. But I'm excited 
I'm excited to see what happens and I'm excited to see what happens with this group of women now, how we're all going to evolve together. I'm excited for that. So, you know, I'm excited to see how you go in the next 10, 20 years and other people in, in our midlife group. And I think that excites me as well. Mm. It really, really does. And um, yeah, I think I've been inspired by all the other midlifers. It's me going. And I, and I think that's a positive thing. It, it really does. And yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, well, we're only just starting, aren't we? That's that's why I. Oh, would... we're just getting started. <laughs> we're only in first gear, Joe. Don't you <laughs> watch out, world? <laughs> so, Joe, I'm going to share all of your links in the show notes so people can follow as well. But if you just want to quickly share your Instagram handle, because we've, oh, well, I I have I've banged on about your your wonderful <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> oh, thank you. So it's fifty. So what? A 50 so what official and um it's pretty much where i bleat on about everything <laughs> the good the bad the ugly everything in between but you know it, it's just it's nice to share my midlife with everyone else because it's a community it's not just me it's not an instagram page where it's about me it's about our community and um i think that's really important and i bloody love our community i really do yeah, well, I'm sure when you go on there, you'll just see yeah how amazing it is. And Joe's done a great job of cultivating a beautiful community of women. So well done, Joe, because that's no means. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, and just in wrapping up on our final question, that it, it has been, and again, thank you for chatting because it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, the question I have for you, if you could look into the future, what do you hope 80-year-old Joe is going to say about current day Joe? I hope the 80-year-old is going to go, you know what, she did it. And I'm proud. And thinking about it now, because I wish I could have said that about my younger self now, and I can't. And I have the confidence now to believe in myself. And I know 80-year-old Joe is just going to be sitting there. She will have that cocktail. She will. Visualise it now on a beach <laughs> with a cocktail. Yeah, and she's going to be thinking, you know what, 50-something Joe, good on her. She did, she did what she was meant to be doing. That's what she's going to say. Cheers to and that. Feel, yeah, and I feel good about that. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, thanks so much for sharing today, Joe. No worries. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. I'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcast or your favourite podcast app to keep spreading these empowering messages. Please share this podcast with other incredible midlife women in your world. Join me again next week for another redefining midlife conversation. Thanks again for tuning in.